May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If you're the average worker, and uh, this upcoming week was the average typical week, on Monday morning you'd be waking up and you would be getting out of bed excited to go to work again. The work week has begun. You'd be ready to clock in, smile on your face, so happy to do what it is that you do at your job. But what is it that you do? Why are you laughing? Who is it that you're working for? Why is it that you even are there? Some of you are thinking, well, pastor, that's funny you should ask because I ask myself those same questions every Monday morning. Well, that's its own sermon and not what I'm going to be preaching on. But this being Labor Day weekend, I did want to to pick up that theme. I did want you to think this day about your work life. And really what I want you to do today is a very simple thing. All I want you to do is to consider how your working life would be different if you understood that you were working for Jesus. That's it. Just consider today, how would your working life be different if you really believe that when you go to work each day, you were working for Jesus? Both of the readings today, the Epistle and the Gospel reading, like I said, they, they really speak to this theme. They, they get at it and they talk about it in very much the same way, but it's probably that Epistle reading that is going to be a little bit more memorable. It'll stick with you a little bit longer. After all, there's all that talk about masters and slaves, and that's not at all the world that we live in today, thankfully. Even though some of you are saying, no, no, I I get what Paul's saying. It really does feel like slave labor. I feel like I'm stuck. I'm in a dead end. I have no place to go. But that's not what Paul was talking about. That's not the world that Paul was in. Our world is very much different. We are free. We have our freedom. But even if Paul was speaking to a different circumstance, a much more difficult circumstance. I think, nevertheless, and maybe even more so, the commands that he gives, both masters and slaves, are even more relevant in our own situation. That we are free people and that we should consider them, but, but first we need to think about what it was that Paul did say in that time. See, Paul addressed masters and slaves. He addressed both of them, and he told them that they need to walk worthily of the Lord, that they needed to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so if you were a slave, lay down your life for your master. And if you are a master, lay down your life for your slave. And that's actually a really radical thing. That Paul's talking about. For Paul to address both slaves and masters, not just to talk to the masters and pretend that the slaves don't matter. 
That's not what Paul was doing. He actually addresses both of them, and when you think about it, he's telling them the exact same thing. Maybe it's a little bit differently contextually in the positions that they're in, but, but Paul is making it clear that he doesn't think about masters and slaves according to the way the world thinks about them. He addresses them as people who are rather similar, who are united, who both have a higher calling. Because those masters and slaves, Paul doesn't see them as masters and slaves. They are Christians. They are servants, slaves of Jesus, the ultimate Lord and Master. But Jesus is a different kind of Lord and Master than all of the earthly lords and masters. And so Paul needs to teach them to live a different way. What does it look like to work for Jesus? What does it look like to be a servant of Jesus? Paul says, you need to walk worthily of him. You need to lay down your life for one another. And so that message still preaches to us. That it doesn't matter whether you are an employee at a a regular salaried kind of position, whether you are paid by the hour. In fact, it doesn't even matter whether you are the employee or the employer, even if you are retired, whether you're a stay-at-home parent, Because we all do things with our time, with our energy, with what God has given us. These are the things that that we do with ourselves. And if you think of your, your own position more specifically, it doesn't matter whether you have a good boss or a bad boss. If you're a manager, it doesn't matter whether you have lazy employees or productive ones. Because you're not defined by your title, your position, by your workplace. The one who gives you your identity, the one who has the first and last word is God. And God has called you his. You are Christians. You are his children. You are his servants. And frankly, that's the highest calling in the world. There is no position that is better than that. There's a story, uh, and I think it's just a story. This really doesn't seem to ring true to me in real world, but it's still a good story about a CEO who's getting ready to retire. And he doesn't want to do things the normal way, just pass off power to his children or to the second in command. He really wants his business to succeed, and he wants the best possible person to be the CEO that succeeds him. And so he does something a little strange. He tells tells the company, I'm going to retire a year from now, but I want to choose the best possible successor. And so if you are interested in being CEO, come to the conference room, and I'll I'll explain what's going to go on. So candidates come, and he gives all of the candidates a seed. And he says, take care of this seed for a year, and then come back, and I will judge you according to how well you have taken care of this seed. So one of the candidates, we'll call him John, takes his seed home. He, he puts it in a pot, 
gets some soil there, waters it, puts it in a nice sunny place, and he's ready to take care of his seed. But two weeks pass, and no sprout. Nothing's happening. Three weeks pass. Six weeks pass, and now he's getting worried. Because other people, the other candidates for this job at work, they're talking about what's going on with their plant, about how it's shot up, how it's growing, how it's producing flowers, and he knows he's sunk. He's never going to get this job, but he remains persistent. Maybe, maybe I'm not using the, the right kind of soil, fertilizer, and, and so he, he tries some new things, but still nothing happens. A year passes. CEO calls all of the candidates back into the conference room, and there are all sorts of plants and flowers, huge, tall ones. People had to get bigger pots to replace these plants because they took such good care of them. The CEO looks out over the room, and there's our guy John, slumped in the back, embarrassed. He's holding a pot of dirt. Nothing's there. CEO calls out John's name. Says, would you come forward, please? Oh, great, this is it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to the new CEO, John. Nobody can believe it. He's, there's no plant there. He didn't do it. And then the CEO says, a year ago I gave you all a seed. I boiled it first. It was dead. You can see that John here is the only one who's honest, the only one with integrity. That's the kind of person I want to be the next CEO for this business. It's a good story, huh? And yet it rubs us a a little weird because that's a story of a a good guy reaping the rewards. and, And that's how life is, right? That's how it happens at your job, right? Right? Or do you see the people who are advancing, the ones who maybe cut corners, the ones who uh, are, are perfect employees when the boss is around, but then goof off when he's not looking? The kinds of people that, that maybe produce a quality product, but dig their, or run their employees into the ground. The, the people that don't really show that kind of care and concern. See, the reason why we like that kind of story is because it presents, with, presents us with that ideal. Man, if only the world was like that, but we know reality. We know this sinful world. We know that it doesn't operate like that. We know what it's like to work with and work for people. And yeah, there are good times. Sometimes you work with great teams and great people, and it can be awesome. But there are a lot of other times when it can be difficult, depressing, demoralizing. So maybe it is better to stop thinking about working for your boss, working for the employees, working for the shareholders, working for yourself, working for the bottom line. Maybe it really is better to think about that identity that God gave you, that you work for Jesus. But what is that like? Is Jesus like that CEO in the story that he is just waiting to give us the the good rewards for all of the good things that we have done? 
Should I start looking in my uh, bank account for that fat paycheck to show up someday? Maybe, but maybe not. See, as soon as we start thinking about Jesus the same way we would think about our employers, maybe we're getting it wrong. In Romans, Paul says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. See, we don't work for Jesus in a wage salary. It's all grace. And that's a good thing, too. Because although you may want Jesus to reward you for your good behavior, are you ready for him to punish you for your bad behavior? For all of the times when you fall short? After all, that's only fair, right? If he gives you rewards for the good, he should also punish for the bad. But that's not what it's like to be a servant of Jesus. It's not that wage system. It's a grace system. And we have all received God's grace. We have all received that gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. What could be better? But some of you are saying, that's, yeah, eternal life, that's good. I can't really say anything against that, Pastor. But, like, that seems so far away. And can I get, like, an advance on my paycheck? Well, nope, sorry, I can't say paycheck. Can I get an advance on, on these gifts that God gives? Well, first of all, eternal life is now. See, God tells us that eternal life is not something far away, but it is a gift that he gives to us. It is a gift that is ours today, and so we need to live our lives like we are living for all eternity. We need to do the things that we think that we would do in God's kingdom now, because we are in God's kingdom now. God is at work. But to answer your question, yes, Jesus does give us even more gifts in this world today. See, when you live your life according to God's ways, even when no one is looking, God gives you a peace, a peace of mind, a peace of heart. Pastor, a satisfied conscience sounds great, but but I can't mail that in to the mortgage company each month. But listen, the world, the the rest of the world that lives according to their own standards, not according to God's ways, they don't enjoy life. It sometimes might look like they enjoy life, but they're trying to fill their life with things they think bring them joy because they have no joy. Peace, rest, satisfaction. These are the gifts God gives to you when you live according to his ways. And those gifts are priceless. People might accuse you of a lot of things. They might mock you. They might make fun of you. Satan might even try to accuse you of these different things. But... But if you live according to God's ways, all of those accusations, all of the mockery, 
it'll fall flat. It'll ring hollow. Because people can see it's just not true. Look, I'm not saying that people are going to like you. But there's not going to be anything bad that they can say about you. You'll have their respect. So there's eternal life. There's peace. But you still want more. And God is a gracious God. He gives us more. There are a lot of people today that are really, they're really interested in justice. And maybe that's something that, that, that is important to you as well. And so one of the things that really bothered you about that reading from Ephesians is, is that you don't think that Paul said or did the right thing. If Paul were really bringing this gospel, this good news, why didn't he just write to these masters and tell them, free your slaves? This is what God wants. This is pleasing to God. Why didn't he do that? Well, here's the thing. I don't want to say that God is not concerned with justice. But God doesn't think about justice the same way that we do. He thinks about it in a much bigger way. And so Paul could have told those masters to free your slaves. In fact, he does that in a letter to Philemon. Or, uh, you can read about it. A man named Onesimus, a slave. He says, release him. But here, Paul is not interested in an outward kind of justice. He wants something bigger. He wants an inward transformation. Because God doesn't just work from the outside. He works from the inside. He transforms us. He changes us. And he sends us out. See, he doesn't just send us out to change the world. First, he changes us. And then he sends us out. And the world is changed from the inside out. Through your baptism, God changed you. He made you into a new person. You were given a new life. The old you was put to death and you were raised in the newness of life as you were joined to Jesus. You are a new creation in your baptism. See, the old you, the sinful flesh. When you hear things like, lay down your life, you're like, yeah, right. That's not how you get ahead in life. That's not what makes you happy. But that's not who you are. God has made you a new person. He has transformed you. And sometimes you might fight against it. Sometimes you might forget it. But you have a new life. You are a servant of Jesus. You are a Christian. You work for God. Sometimes we do ourselves a huge disservice. We do a huge disservice to God and to our faith in Jesus. When we think about our life as though there is Jesus time and there is non-Jesus time. Because God, if he is God of the whole universe, is not just God of one portion of your life, but not of all the rest. He is not just the God of one day of the week, but not the God of the rest. And you know what? God is not just at work in pastors and teachers and DCEs. No, God is at work in you. 
See, you don't have to quit your job and go to the seminary and be a pastor. You don't have to be a Lutheran teacher or a DCE in order to do God's work. You can do those things. Being a pastor is pretty cool. Being a teacher is great. But wherever you are, whatever you do, you work for God. You're doing God's work. God is at work in you. Have you seen him? Have you seen him at work? See, when you go back to your jobs, don't think that you're working for yourself, for your boss, for your employees, for that paycheck, for your shareholders. Because you're not. You're working for Jesus. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, who is your Lord and risen Savior. Amen.